where I get my inspirations from is a lot of feeling. I see things with greater depth the more I feel. The more my dreams come to life, the more my dreams end up taking on a life of their own. My dream is that my dreams never stop. Welcome to our listeners. Today I'm extremely excited because I'm talking to Joshua Serlin. He's a creative director, entrepreneur, and especially an adventurer. He is absolutely passionate about motorbikes, adventures, traveling, and the nature. Always on the hunt for new experiences and his freedom, he loves to explore the world far away from all the noise. And today we're going to talk about his role as a creative director, about storytelling, motorbikes, traveling, and of course his excursions. Hello and welcome, Joshua. Is it Joshua or Josh? Your preference. It's uh, I'm indifferent. So okay, so I'm gonna do Josh. I, I like Josh very much. Thanks All for right. being here. How are you? <laughs> I'm very good. How are you, Paul? Uh, very well. I'm I'm sitting in Newport Beach uh, in California. It's not the best weather. To be fair, I moved here seven years ago uh, from Germany mainly because of the weather and southern california you know like once like day seven or day eight of no sunshine people all do the same joke if we get tax reductions uh, <laughs> for bad weather um but now we're in day 100 i would say and it's it's june so like it's uh it's it's been a rough year for good weather lovers but very good for nature where are you right now i am in seattle Oh, okay. That's very European weather. But I love Seattle. Seattle is a great place, right? You live there? I do. And it's beautifully sunny. Almost okay, no clouds so... in the sky. And we're having beautiful weather. Okay. So I envy your weather and your location <laughs> a little bit too, but on a positive note. So did you grow up in, in Seattle? Are you originally from Seattle? Are you American? I am American. I'm the first generation um, American. And I grew up in Indiana. Um, and my whole family moved to the Pacific Northwest when I was about 12. Okay, why? My dad was in the truck manufacturing, like semi-truck manufacturing business, and he moved from a company called International Harvester to Packar, which is like Peterbilt and Kenworth trucks. So my dad's an industrial factory guy. Okay, I have a couple of friends from Indiana, and... They all do the same jokes, like you, you can take them out of Indiana, but can't take Indiana out of them. Like, is that still in your DNA, your childhood days in Indiana? Because it's a special place, right? I look back at it with a smile, and that's uh, largely because of, I think, the era as much as it is the location. You know, it was a simple, kind of very free. My babysitter was either the woods or the public pool. So it wasn't, it's like that memory of, you know, a BB gun under my arm and ripping around rural Indiana on a BMX bike is where I left it. So I think Indiana is a wonderful place to be from. Uh, I, I, I do agree a little bit. I've been there several times. But but then uh, Seattle happened and the you used an expression, the Northwest, no, what was it? Northwest Pacific? Uh, Pacific Northwest. So Pacific, that's kind of... Okay. Nice. Okay. So I learned something. Compass is the surrounding area of Seattle, is kind of because most people will say Seattle, although they may live in one of the many smaller, like, area rural towns of Seattle. 
And that's what what you are where you are living in. I'm in Nazi. the city. Oh, you're you are local. Yeah. Okay. And uh, how is it living up there? The fact that I am two blocks from Lake Washington, which is like an enormous lake, and I'm in sight view of my house to the mountains, and I'm surrounded by green with still access to, you know, let's say the creative influences in the influences that a, a city can provide you, you know, kind of that, those luxuries. And the fact I can jump on an international flight 20, 25 minutes from the airport and I'm on a plane to Tokyo, which is just awesome. And I, I think Seattle is a very creative place, right? Like, like I have a couple of friends and they are all very creative people. Why is that? The weather's really shitty for eight months of the year. So you're kind of stuck to your own I guess, creativity and curiosity, or at least the older people are, you know, the, the yeah. pre-internet generation where you're yeah. kind of left to your head and your imagination. But they're also, also very stylish people, I would say. Like everybody from up there is like, uh, just like you. They have good beards. They, uh, they have a good style. They, they are outdoorsy people as well. Did you experience that too? The perception of Seattle from being from Seattle, I guess. It's a, a consensus that's beyond me. Seattle is the opposite of fashion style, right? So it's like going, you wouldn't grab an influence, in my opinion. I mean, I, I champion that, I guess, with any of those other people with that similar opinion. You don't, you know, grab style influence from Seattle. I think the style influences are from the New Yorks, the Tokyos, the, you know, the Miami. I think the art that Or the creativity that's kind of core to Seattle goes back to what we all identify or most people identify with Seattle. And that's music, right? Yeah. And writing and, and photography and, you know, those type of things. Yeah, it's, it's wildly cool. Yeah, the influences and, you know, the depth and complexity of the music industry um, here and its past and its rawness is awesome. And that's where I feel fortunate. That kind of was born in many ways while I was really at that still youthful age between high school and college, like during that era, you know, running amok amongst all that. Fun to look back at. Well, what did you study in college? Like, where did, where did you go to in college? You know, I'm not an academic. I'm a hardcore dyslexic with, you know, the stereotypical accompanied ADD and what have you. And sports were kind of my way out. So I was athletic and one step above competent in sports, but I had a hell of a work ethic and I was tough, I guess is what one would describe it. So I was recruited by all the schools, Notre Dame, and then all the local schools here. But I've ended up getting to college through athletics, but not taking scholarships because of injuries. And then I was first in the creative art department at the state college here and then quickly moved out of that because I didn't quite hit. I was very individual. And in college, you know, that may be good or bad, but it didn't kind of mesh within the creative departments there. I was very individual. I wasn't, you know, in formal art. I wasn't, it was still pre, you know, digital art, but it was like, I wasn't really, I was more graffiti-ish in alternative art is kind of where I sat. And then I wanted to travel because, you know, that youth in Indiana with having, you know, one TV channel, a BB gun, you know, swimming pool, that type of scenario. You know, I had a tremendous amount of curiosity and I started kind of finding my way in which I could be in a world that would enable me to travel. 
And that landed me in the hotel restaurant industry. And I got a hotel restaurant management degree. Okay. Okay. So uh, it sounds a little bit like you were struggling a bit in college, finding your way. Is that, <laughs> is that true? Is it, can, can you phrase it like that? I mean, I don't know if I've stopped that you know, journey of finding myself, but I was at that age, I was, you know, very much at the beginning of finding myself. Right. And I yeah. was lucky enough to explore a bunch of things and try a bunch of things and lead with curiosity versus anything else. Right. It's, it's very interesting because like I've, I've lectured uh, a couple of lectured as a big word, but I went to universities and, and did speak there uh, over the last three, four weeks in Germany. And one thing was in common that, that the next generation of 20 to 24 year olds, because like, When I talk to them, my whole speech uh, is about living your dream and, and uh, how you should be brave enough or encouraged enough to think different maybe and break some rules and, and don't uh, play by all the rules, and, and which is quite a German thing. You know, like Germans like to, to stay with one company for the whole life and they like to have one career path and I'm the opposite of it, so I, I like to talk about that. And their biggest problem was um, that they were struggling finding their dream. Like they, they all asked about like like how how do you how do you dream how do you how did you find out what your dream you wanted to fulfill was and uh, I honestly said like I, I didn't I, I, at the age of 22 I I didn't know anything what I want to do and and like uh, that's that's one thing in this podcast we talk about uh, a lot about people who fulfilled their dreams and and have special uh, lives uh, and and special ways in in their kind of surrounding but but um but i don't think anybody really knew at the age of 20 or 22 uh what their destiny was and uh i think it's hard to grow up right now because you see so many and you listen to so many people that talk about their last 20 years people in the 40s and they fulfilled their dreams and they they have they live a free life where they can decide on their own um so i think it's important to to point out that that we uh, didn't know anything <laughs> until uh, in my case until probably now i still don't know like i still don't know what my five year plan is and and the next uh, things down there so um yeah so it's it's one thing somebody young is listening it's it's not like yeah we were all struggling i would well, say well we right? need to experience things yeah. like you're experiencing things will help expose what your dreams are right and your yeah. dream should be alive your dream yeah. in, in my opinion right my dreams are alive right they're evolving they're not they're not fixed they're not yeah. something that can be you know started and ending right it's yeah. just not the case and that's my experience and it's like when the more i experience the more my dreams expand more the more my dreams come to life more my dreams end up taking on a life of their own yeah. i hope they never stop like yeah. i yeah, hope yeah. personally that's you know that's my uh, My dream is that my dreams never stop. Yeah, it's uh, we have a lot in common. So, but let's let's jump to your job that you're doing right now. You call yourself a creative director. Um, <laughs> what is that? Walk me through it. Like, like I've been around a couple of creative directors. One thing is for sure, everybody's very different. <laughs> so it's not like you you. How how's your? Can can you tell me a little bit about your work, please? So I apply everything. I I sit everything under creative director which is kind of, the, okay. so this business, I operate 
at this stage um, as one person. Like the whole company is one person. Okay. I haven't yet migrated out of that stage. I'm in the verge of doing it. And I've my background has led me in the ability to kind of sit as an orchestrator. And that's what I consider a creative director as, in, as much as anything else. It's like when you're part chess player, right? You're playing okay. chess all the time, arranging things. And then you are orchestrating, right? And creativity in my life is applied to everything. And it goes back to dyslexia and some other ways in which I structure and the way that I've learned through my life how to approach something and then how to accomplish something. It never happened in the sequence or steps, let's let's say directions, as if you are following directions of assembling a table or something. No, that's not my life. My life is sometimes 20 things happen at once. Sometimes the end in other people's experience is where I start and then I'm tracking backwards. But in a literal sense, as a creative director, it's like going, I'm surrounded by fabrics all the time, surrounded by clothing all the time. I'm seeking influence at every waking moment, and I'm finding okay. it in the, the most wonderful places. You know, the more that my eyes are open and the more that my openness kind of is internally it becomes infectious, like that openness as it starts, you start to open up a little bit more to those creative influences. Talk me a little bit more about Black Beer. Where's the name coming from and, and how does it did it start and what, what are you doing right now with it? So Black Bear brand was originally started in Seattle in 1904. It's still a little bit of a mystery and a ghost of what that date is because there's poor documentation. That brand developed in Seattle and had great success in the early years and ranging of denim and certain wool products and actually even some more refined items in regards to overcoats and shirting and even corduroys. And that brand then as the outsourcing and the migration of manufacturing moved overseas and, you know, many of the other dynamics of you know, the industry and the in the world itself, this brand faltered and they shuttered it. They shut it down. That sat shut down dormant and as a ghost for many, many years. And there's ghost signs, meaning old advertising signs, you know, hidden throughout Seattle and the surrounding area. There's a few of them. And then within the collector's world, you'll find, you know, the early years of Black Bear brand before it kind of went into a kind of that small window of the 60s where it didn't quite it was trying to do some international meaning manufacturing overseas and bringing it over which they didn't do successfully pre-faltering but some of their early years it's like when they're as as sought after by collectors as any other item like if you look at you go to japan and you went to naijo's like collectors which i was lucky enough to do because i was in tokyo during that time but his collection that was at the fashion institute of tokyo there's pieces of black bear brand in that right so it's quite a phenomenon and i've got collector's pieces as probably as good as anybody my collection is nice so that mark was so it was dead and dormant i had a fixation and a, and a love for like fashion i hadn't yet been able to be hired as a creative director in a fashion world because my background prior to that is just a smorgasbord of creative work but it goes into action sports it goes into you know i was doing custom semi trucks for releases of that i was doing pro athlete stuff with red bull i was at simultaneously jumping out of planes with Nitro Circus folks. I was designing, you name it, from pro-athlete stuff to media and advertising campaigns. I was doing just anytime somebody would have a project that either an agency was faltering or was a direction in which 
you know, not yet somebody has accomplished. I wanted to be a creative director and I wanted to do fashion and I had staunts in it, but I couldn't get because of my wild background and I don't have schooling in fashion design. I don't have apprenticeships. I don't have any of these things, but none of my past work ever had those things supporting what I was doing either. I was doing most things I didn't have any skill or training in which to do, but I would just go at it and do it my way. And lucky enough or fortunate enough, sometimes it would be cool and it would work. And I would figure out how to do it often more efficient and faster and with less resources because I was doing it my way versus, you know, within the system. But Black Bear brand, I really wanted that trademark and I wanted to be a creative director. So I made the brand for me. Okay. So you you created it or you bought the old trademark? So the trademark was dead. So when a mark is dead, you can obtain it. It's a kind okay. of a legal jump, right? So within the some of the previous work I was doing, you know, it forced me to become somewhat competent in at least the level of understanding and have the resources to work within the trademark world, copyright world, and all those things because of my work with companies like Red Bull or Nike and stuff. And then certain artwork and creative that I would end up owning within those relationships or within those projects. So I had an aptitude within that world. And I had the ability to get and work with people that, you know, that was kind of their jam. So I went after the mark. And then I got kind of, I had more fun going after the mark, or I had as much fun going after the mark because of the challenge and the fact that I was doing it kind of the way in which I'd done everything else. And I just started the brand while doing that and using everything that I had learned up to that point and these variety of things, and then started to then now learn the whole business of fashion and bringing the whole business of manufacturing. And then as I wanted something and think it's cool and I want it. So then I design it and then I go down that, you know, either rabbit hole or that adventure of finding out how I can make it with the objective of making it the best I can. Yeah, it, it makes sense. It, it does make sense. And I want to break down one thing. I've stalked you a little bit on Instagram. You do have a severe love uh, for motorcycles, right? I do. I mean, I have an absolute, there's, there's an expression that I get from it or this romanticism or emotional exchange I get from my bikes and the experience I have, the presence it brings me towards, you know, or holds me to like that present moment in which I'm on it. And some of it's the severity of, you know, the repercussions. And I'm on a bike with no front brake. I'm on a bike with, you know, no, no speedometers, small tank. It's light. Yeah. It's fast. It's old. Well, where do you ride them? On the coastal highway number one? I love your area. I mean, I don't ride much much south, south of like the Malibu area. Um, I, yeah. you know, get into Santa Monica if I have to go for meetings up through like the Beverly Hills area. But generally, I like, you know, that northern pocket from Malibu to Ventura, I think is yeah. just so, so fun for me because the canyons within the Malibu area, I really, really like. And I like riding during the week when you know, I like riding, you know, when weather's not very good in your guys' opinion, because there's less people. Yeah, that's true. Do, do you draw inspiration from those rides? I can't not. I, mean, it's, I think that's where I get my inspirations from is a lot of feeling. Like when I feel something, I see things with greater depth, the more I feel. I swim every morning right now and I walk down to the lake and, you know, this, it's always when the sun's coming up. And, you know, it's cold, the water's cold. And those 
to start my day in that way is my favorite thing. The second favorite time of my day is to ride my bike and to ride my bike over bridges, through tunnels, or into and throughout the countryside. It does sound pretty free to me, if you ask me. Like uh, That's the definition of freedom, what you're living. It's one of the things that's most dear to me, right? And that we all identify or should find what, you know, freedom is to us as individuals. I really think that. It's like when... Because when you can feel free, right, you start to be open in a way in which you, you can't experience things to the level and depth and intimacy until you're there. And I think it's also as soon as you get a kind of a taste of it, it's something that you just feed on. Like you're just it's like you're drawn to it. You're pulled to it for me. And it's it doesn't it's not a it's not a destination, meaning it's not like I've achieved it. It's like going. No, it's like now I, I seek it and find it in in so many different things. And then I identify very clearly the feelings and way in which, yeah. you know, I'm gaining emotionally or spiritually or even physically from from those things that bring that experience to me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I very much agree so. But I do want to, you said destination, uh, it's, it's not a destination, but there's one destination that you repeatedly talked about. And I want to talk a little bit about it. It's Japan. Yeah, very much. I feel like very much. You, it, it has a special place in your heart, right? Door Japan. Why? So my first time to Japan was, I think, about seven years ago. And I'd never, I'd always had, hadn't traveled to Asia outside of like the Micronesia area. Um, but I'd always had this, without going there, this affection for Japan for a variety of reasons, part of its manufacturing, part of the things in which I found clothing-wise so exciting and fashion-wise so exciting in regards to the manufacturing and love for details. And I want to go to Japan, to be honest. <laughs> you <laughs> I should. want to experience the same thing. I've I've been a couple of times, but uh, I didn't really find the love. Uh, I did like the South. I did like Kyoto, I did like um, Osaka was one of my favorite uh, yeah. cities, but but I didn't really get to know Tokyo. In a, in a, it was a weird place whenever I was there. Um, so so I, I need to give it another chance because all the people I like really like Japan. So well, I'm, you I'm love gonna, food, gonna, right? Yeah, yeah, I do very much. You love yeah. food and that like well, if you're if you if your trips ever you know, cross at the same time. Cause I always spend probably 10 days in Tokyo because I do a lot of work based out of Tokyo. Um, is if you have a couple of days while I'm there, yeah, I'll intertwine in with going into like, I get tattooed by the, one of the oldest tattoo masters in Tokyo. And there's so many different monuments and all these other beautiful shrines throughout the city that you as a photographer and a creative, you'd love You got to show me that. That's that's we have a I'm plan in. now. I, I need to to get your travel schedule to <laughs> the next time. And I'm I'm gonna hop along. I could listen to you forever, uh, but we kind of have to wrap this up. What's what's coming next? Uh, any exciting projects uh, on your plate? What's next for Black Bear Brand? Um, can you tell me a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So I've got a couple really neat things that I make in Japan um, that are coming out in June. And that's a new buck horse hide, which is like a finishing of, and I'm doing it in this color that I created. Um, and I call it old money green, which is kind of this limeish sixties green. And I love it. And I've made a, a jacket in Japan with that. And also a kind of a messenger bag 
and I accompanied that with the two colors I'm kind of really excited about right now, which you can, you'll see in like the items that I make is like, that's the color where I'm at, um, is this ivory colored, um, car coat and this duffel, which are pretty exciting. Amongst the terries that are coming, that are out now and the sandals and so many fun things. Um, the one thing that does tie us into IWC, which is real exciting and also leans us back to Japan, is I create is kind of this watch case I made or am making in Japan. And it's in, and I'll have like a story that's because I had IWC Japan come with me to Okayama, which is let's call it the Mecca of denim um, in central Japan. They came with me to, to Okayama and they got to film and I guided them through like the rope dyeing facility that the yarns made and then also the weaving mill that makes the denim fabric. Um, and over the past, like, let's say year, I've been fixated on another fabric or that's ah, hard to say fabric, but I've been on the method of boro, which is kind of patchwork of fabrics. Um, so we're, it's, it's made from boro, which is made from Japanese fabrics, all based in Okayama and Okayama is kind of this, you know, let's say central part of the denim world so i guess that's kind of fun yeah i'm looking forward to that a lot and and i like that it has japanese input in there uh, and your your trips are going to be in that product i think right yeah it's super fun thank you josh it was really interesting listening to you thank you very much for this talk yeah thank you very much for having me have a good day in seattle bye 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 now